Chapter Two of Stories of the Lifeboat by Frank Mundell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Lifeboat Disasters. We have already referred to the numerous disasters which did so much to retard the progress of the lifeboat movement. Now let us see how these disasters were caused. The early lifeboats, though provided with a great amount of buoyancy, had no means of freeing themselves of water, or of self-writing if upset, and the absence of these qualities caused the loss of many lives. Sir William Hillary, who may be regarded as the founder of the National Lifeboat Institution, distinguished himself, while living on the Isle of Man, by his bravery in rescuing shipwrecked crews. It was estimated that in twenty-five years, upwards of a hundred and forty vessels were wrecked on the island, and a hundred and seventy lives were lost, while the destruction of property was put down at a quarter of a million. In 1825, when the steamer, City of Glasgow, went ashore at Douglas Bay, Sir William Hillary went out in the lifeboat and assisted in taking sixty-two people off the wreck. In the same year, the brig Leopard went ashore, and Sir William again went to the rescue and saved eleven lives. While he lived on the island, hardly a year passed without him adding fresh laurels to his name, and never did knight of old rush into the fray with greater ardour than did this gallant knight of the nineteenth century to the rescue of those in peril on the sea. His greatest triumph, however, was on the 20th of November, 1830, when the mail steamer, St. George, stranded on St. Mary's Rock and became a total wreck. The whole crew, 22 in number, were rescued by the lifeboat. On this occasion, he was washed overboard among the wreck, and it was with the greatest difficulty that he was saved, having had six of his ribs broken. In 1843, the lifeboat stationed at Robin Hood Bay went out to the assistance of the Anne of London. Without mishap, the wreck was reached, and the work of rescue was begun. Several of the shipwrecked men jumped into the boat just as a great wave struck her, and she upset. Some of the crew managed to scramble onto the bottom of the upturned boat and clung to the keel for their lives. The accident had been witnessed by the men on the beach, and five of them immediately put out to the rescue. They had hardly left the shore when an enormous sea swept down upon them, causing the boat to turn a double somersault, and drowning two of the crew. Altogether, twelve men lost their lives on this occasion. Those who were saved floated ashore on the bottom of the lifeboat. The herd sand, memorable as the scene of the wreck of the Adventure, 
witnessed a lamentable disaster in eighteen forty nine when the betsy of little hampton went aground the south shields lifeboat manned by twenty-four experienced pilots went out to the rescue while preparing to take the crew on board she was struck by a heavy sea and before she could recover herself a second mighty wave threw her over twenty out of the twenty-four of her crew were drowned the remainder and the crew of the betsy were rescued by two other lifeboats which put off from the shore immediately upon witnessing what had happened the advantages of the self-writing and self-emptying boats may be best judged from the fact that since their introduction in eighteen fifty two as many as seventy thousand men have gone out in these boats on service and of these only seventy-nine have nobly perished in their gallant attempts to rescue others this is equal to a loss of one man in every eight hundred and eighty during the terrible storm which swept down upon our coast in eighteen sixty four the steamer stanley of aberdeen was wrecked while trying to enter the tyne the constance lifeboat was launched from tynemouth and proceeded to the scene of the wreck the night was as dark as pitch and from the moment that the boat started nothing was to be seen but the white flash of the sea which broke over the boat and drenched the crew as quickly as she freed herself of water she was buried again and again at length the wreck was reached and while the men were waiting for a rope to be passed to them a gigantic wave burst over the stanley and buried the lifeboat every oar was snapped off at the gunwale and the outer ends were swept away leaving nothing but the handles when the men made a grasp for the spare oars they only got two the remainder had been washed overboard it was almost impossible to work the constance with the rudder and two oars and while she was in this disabled condition a second wave burst upon her four of the crew either jumped or were thrown out of the boat and vanished from sight a third mighty billow swept the lifeboat away from the wreck and it was with the utmost difficulty that she was brought to land two of the men who had been washed out of the boat reached the shore in safety having been kept afloat by their lifebelts the other two were drowned speaking of the attempted rescue the coxswain of the constant said although this misfortune has befallen us it has given fresh vigour to the crew of the lifeboat every man here is ready should he be called on again to act a similar part thirty-five of those on board the stanley out of a total number of sixty persons were afterwards saved by means of ropes from the shore one of the most heart-rending disasters 
which have befallen the modern lifeboat happened on the night of the ninth of december eighteen eighty six the lifeboats at southport and st anne's went out in a furious gale to rescue the crew of a german vessel named the mexico both were capsized and twenty-seven out of the twenty-nine who manned them were drowned it was afterwards found out that the southport boat succeeded in making the wreck and was about to let down her anchor when she was capsized by a heavy sea contrary to all expectations the boat did not right being probably prevented from doing so by the weight of the anchor which went overboard when the boat upset what happened to the st anne's lifeboat can never be known for not one of her crew was saved to tell the tale it is supposed that she met with some accident while crossing a sandbank for shortly after she had been launched signals of distress were observed in that quarter next morning the boat was found on the beach bottom up with three of her crew hanging to the thwarts dead such is the fate that even to-day overhangs the lifeboatman on the uncertain sea yet he is ever ready on the first signal of distress to imperil his life to rescue the stranger and the foreigner from a watery grave first come first in is the rule and to see the gallant lifeboatmen rushing at the top of their speed in the direction of the boathouse one would imagine that they were hurrying to some grand entertainment instead of into the very jaws of death it is not for money that they thus risk their lives as the pay they receive is very small for the work they have to perform they are indeed heroes in the truest sense of the word and give to the world a glorious example of duty well and nobly done End of chapter two